Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Nicola Everett. Welcome along to the Kent Online Podcast. Happy New Year and thanks ever so much for downloading today's episode. And at the start of the new year, are we heading for another national lockdown? Well, today the Prime Minister has warned there are tough, tough weeks to come. Let's hear what he had to say during a visit earlier to a hospital in North London. The crucial thing is to recognise that we've got a a new variant that uh, is requiring extra special vigilance and we will do everything we can to keep the virus under control and people should be in no doubt that the government will do everything that is necessary. Well, Boris Johnson is due to make a statement tonight. You can, of course, head to Kent Online for details of what he has to say. Kent, along with most of the UK, is currently in Tier 4 coronavirus restrictions and the majority of schools in the county are closed. Let's have a very quick look at the stats. And in the seven days to December the 29th, there were just over 11,000 new cases in the county. While that's a drop of just over 7%, it's still above the national average. In Medway, there were more than 2,700 confirmed cases over the same period. Again, a drop, but still much higher than the national average. Last week, the Education Secretary confirmed secondary schools won't be reopening until at least the 18th of January. And then when they do, testing needs to be in place. Well, I've been chatting about this to Alan Brooks, who's chair of the Kent Association of Head Teachers. If you take my school, if you take the the children, the students and the staff, we're talking just under 1,600 people to go through a testing process. They all have to be tested twice within a five-day period. The the simple maths of that says that, that that could be just an impossibility. But once, if we do, once we get through this 1,600 twice in that period, we then have to have the facility to test all of the staff every week. We also have to have the facility, if any student tests positive, to test all their close contacts on a daily basis for a seven-day period. So it's a mammoth amount of testing without the question marks that a lot of people are asking about how actually how efficient and how accurate the lateral flow tests are. There seems to be a suggestion that if they're not administered by medical professionals, they've got about a 50% accuracy rate. So we could go through this whole process, possibly get some feeling of, of assurance and find that that's, that's built on very shifting sands. So there, there are lots of question marks around it. And the other one, if I can fill your program with question marks around testing, is that where there was mass testing before Christmas, where they put units into various school car parks and so on, they did throw up a significant number of positive tests. If that is the case, which we assume it will be, and those positive tests are staff, immediately schools are going to be closing bubbles and in a very difficult position as soon as the results are known. So it's not an end in itself, it's it's the beginning of another set of potentially chaotic problems for schools. But as you mentioned, you've got to get volunteers in because you don't have enough staff to be able to do all of this testing. Are volunteers, in your opinion, going to be wanting to put themselves in that situation? Because potentially they will be mixing with children who, who are going to have coronavirus. I don't, I don't think there's a flood of volunteers coming in. We, we certainly sent a letter out and we had before Christmas. It's difficult because you're doing it over the Christmas period. People really have got other things probably on their minds over the last week or so. We have had several people put themselves forward, but understandably, they've tended to say, well, I could do a Monday morning or I could do a Thursday afternoon. The idea that you can find 12 or 15 people who've got 
clear diaries who are prepared to go through the program of training which is quite brief um, and then have the responsibility of doing it is going to be difficult you also need teachers there as well you can't you can't just put volunteers in the room and expect them to be supervising the waiting area for children and then the the area while they wait to get their results and so on so it's a it's a complicated process um, and and i think that the government have been a little bit disingenuous with it while well, we're giving you the, the kits and there's a soldier at the end of an online helpline that should be enough what we really need are people we need boots on the ground we need we need people coming forward we need a suggestion perhaps from central government in the same way that they did when they were looking for nhs volunteers in the summer a more centralized approach a pool of people that could be trained and used for this rather than thinking schools will magic out of the air hundreds of thousands of volunteers to run this programme. The PM has also today insisted schools are safe as some teaching unions call for them to close across the entire country. They're concerned about the spread of a new variant of the virus, but Mr Johnson says the risk to teachers is no greater than to anyone else. Well, more mass testing sites have opened in Kent to try and find people who might be unknowingly spreading coronavirus. They've already been set up in Medway, Sheppey and Ramsgate. Now another 20 centres are running across the county you can see the full list and find out where your nearest one is at kentonline.co.uk. However, there have been some concerns over how accurate some of the tests are as cases in Kent, as you heard, continue to rise. A recent study in the British Medical Journal suggested some of the lateral flow tests were generating quite a few false positive results. Dr Julian Spinks is a GP in Strood. I've been chatting to him and started by asking what the chances are of having a false positive COVID test result? The chance of having a false positive result will very much depend on the type of test you have done. Uh, the more accurate ones are the PCR tests, the ones that we started with that have to go away to a lab and you wait a day or two to get the result back. The lateral flow tests, the ones done mostly on people without symptoms where you get the result back within half to one hour, um, are less accurate and they are likely to give false positives. Um, the suggestion in a recent study in the BMJ was that um, it could be as many as half of the results could be a false positive. Having said that, you still have to treat it as if it's a real positive because you have to remember that a third of people who have COVID are asymptomatic. They have no symptoms whatsoever. They feel perfectly well. And so the trouble is you can't tell which is which. And there's this danger if you assume that it's a false positive, that you'll take actions which will put other people at risk. But what about testing for antibodies then to see if you have had the virus? Is that possible? The antibody tests seem to have a lot of promise a few months ago, but that hasn't really panned out. What we've discovered is, yet again, um, it's not a 100% test. There are people who have COVID who do not develop antibodies. And likewise, they can take a bit of time after you've caught it. These days, we're mostly using this for monitoring uh, whether the population have had the virus rather than testing for the virus itself. And the test is restricted to a limited number of people, such as care home workers. So unfortunately, it's not a test you can get to confirm or deny an original test. And Julian, if you've had a positive result, but you haven't had any symptoms... There's obviously a bit of uncertainty over whether you've had the virus or not. How should you act after leaving that isolation period? After the 10 days are up, 
uh, the risk of passing the virus on to other people has gone right down, although I'd still suggest uh, being careful about going to see people who are particularly at risk, such as people who are shielding. You also should remember that, of course, you've done your 10 days. It doesn't mean that you've had the virus at that time. So you still have to treat the situation as if you did not have the virus. So you still need to do the social distancing, washing your hands, wearing a mask and the things that you'd do otherwise. If you do that, then you keep yourself safe and the people around you safe. Finally, we've been hearing today from the family of a Maidstone bus driver who died after contracting coronavirus. Peter Hart had continued to work during the pandemic despite being worried about getting ill. He was 64 and was due to retire next year. His daughter Louise has been chatting to our reporter, Rhys. He was worried about COVID as we, as everybody is though. Um, so yeah, he, he was uh, conscious of it and I think that you know furthermore proves the point of, of people being careful because he he was he was careful um, but it obviously wasn't enough you know COVID found a way to reach him however that may be so um, yeah it just goes to show that I think that you know I think that's why the message of staying at home. Um, really does count because if you are staying at home you're not out there you're not you're not spreading an an infection that you probably don't know you have until it's spread hence the message from the government stay at home to save lives yeah and it sounds like you know it was a very traumatic experience being in the hospital and I think um you know I don't particularly wish to you know to bring that up again because it's obviously very raw and very very recent but there are some people who almost try and play this thing down as if oh it's not so bad you know oh are the government yeah. being honest with us about the, the hospitals being under pressure I mean what would your message be to those people who are still doubting it even though you know the evidence really is there well my message and I would say is that I it's easy to um to to think that because the messages um, in the media are, are are mixed messages quite a lot of the time, um, but until you until you see it, um, for, fortunately there are people that go into hospital and, and they do come out, um, but there are people with no underlying health conditions that it just happens to, and science doesn't necessarily know why that is. I, I don't think, mm. but it just happens and. Uh, and I didn't think it would be us or, you know, somebody in my family. But until you're on the wards and you see the, um, the horrific um, nature of the disease and the way it takes somebody so quickly, um, you really don't realise until you see it for yourself. And you really um, are grateful and you can see the the risk that every single doctor any any nurse any basically anybody in that hospital the risk that they are under and the, the, the risk that they put themselves through every single day in dealing with um, any covid patients you, you know these people go home to their own families and um you know, how, how they do it um you know we're, we're so grateful that, that they are you know putting their own lives at risk essentially um to, to help others kent online news
Next today, we're being told there's a risk of delays on some of Kent's roads after Brexit changes came into effect at the border. Anyone heading to France still needs to have a negative Covid test and lorry drivers on their way to the port of Dover are being sent to Manston Airport first. Operation Brock is running on the M20 for those going to the Eurotunnel at Folkestone. Now, it is hoped there won't be a repeat of the epic delays we saw just before Christmas when France closed the border for a couple of days over coronavirus rates in the UK. But back to Brexit itself, you might remember an agreement on a trade deal was reached on Christmas Eve. Boris Johnson was very happy, posing a picture of himself with his thumbs up, as you might have seen on social media. But not everyone in Kent has been so cheerful about it. Fishermen in the county say it puts the future of their industry at risk, with European boats able to work up to just six miles off the British coast. John Nichols is chair of the Thunnet Fishermen's Association. He doesn't fish commercially anymore, but says his heart goes out to those who do. I'm hearing that we've got a very bad deal, um, basically, um, possibly an even worse deal than we had six, nine months a year ago. Um, We've got nothing particularly to look forward to. There is a certain amount of repatriated fish coming over the next five years. But um, for us down here in Kent, um, it's not what we want. It's not what we need. Um, It's not about what we were looking for. We were looking for control of our waters out to the Meridian Line, out to the 200 mile limit, and having some form of control over what fisheries took part by foreign vessels outside the 12 mile limit. And in some cases between the six and the 12 mile those have got grandfather's rights. So, yeah, nothing to look forward to next year, fishing-wise, at the moment. We haven't got control of our waters. Um, The only good thing that's come out of it, as far as I can see at the moment, is there's a scrapping of the Commons Fisheries Policy, (coughs) which was a European document. Um, And now we will get a chance in the UK, our government will get a chance to... uh, reshape the fishing industry but i don't know what they're going to reshape it with because there's no more fish on the table or very little little fish on the table and um, they're still fishing up to our 12 mile limit so time will tell i've been very frustrated since the first announcement the other day um very very disappointed all right i'm not commercially fishing myself now and I'm really glad I'm not, to be absolutely honest. But, yeah, I represent the lads um, to the best of my ability. And um, I was hoping for them to be able to rebuild their future. Back to that travel chaos that we saw in more than 1,400 bags of rubbish and a large lorry load of waste have been collected from the side of the M20. Thousands of HGVs were forced to park up for days as they waited to get a coronavirus test. Work is underway to clear more litter from the motorway, as well as the A20 and A2 in Dover. And finally, on Brexit today, if you live in Ashford, you've been told to put your bins out an hour earlier. That's before six in the morning because of fears about disruption on the roads. There are concerns about how Operation Brock and the opening of new lorry parks will affect traffic in the town. The council have apologised for any inconvenience. Kent Online reports. 
Some other news in brief now before the sport and a record number of refugees crossed the channel to the UK in 2020, with many arriving on the Kent coast in small boats. More than 8,400 people made the dangerous journey last year, four times higher than the number for 2019. It's hoped hundreds of new jobs will be created as part of plans to demolish an old asbestos factory near Gravesend. Developers want to demolish the Neuralite site on Canal Road in Higham and turn it into a new industrial estate. Southeastern say commuters can use its trains and stations in Kent with confidence after their latest round of tests for coronavirus all came back negative. Trains at the Gillingham Depot and on the Sheerness line, as well as the Slade Green Depot, have all been tested. A Kent veteran who was part of Britain's nuclear test programme, which left those involved with long-term side effects, including cancer, has criticised the decision not to honour them. Terry Quinlan from Laybourne was posted to Christmas Island, where Britain tested an H-bomb in November 1957. A military committee has refused to award campaign medals to him and his colleagues. And a 17-year-old Medway student has wowed the judges on The Voice and told the nation he dreams of becoming the UK. UK's first black Prime Minister. James Okalaja, who goes to Rain and Mark Grammer, performed Everything I Wanted by Billie Eilish. He was picked by Will I Am. Kent Online Sport. Football first, and it wasn't a great start to 2021 for Gillingham. They lost 1 0 away to Plymouth Argyle at the weekend and have dropped to 14th in the League One table. Here's what manager Steve Evans had to say after the game. We started the game particularly well. We were on the front foot, we were winning the 50 50s. The game plan was working. Um, they were they were limited to seeing three or four balls going right through at the goalkeeper, which is not them. But they get the goals, a great finish, it's an easy cross. But I'm looking at my central defenders and seeing where they should be, but they're not there. They get the goal, and it's actually the better. But second half, we've, we've played some great stuff. Really, really disappointed. The referee adds five minutes at the end. Um, he's, he's going to wander the goalkeeper four times in the second half. But for a number of massive substitutions, um, so disappointed in that as well, and disappointed with his performance. I don't care whether he's a new we say it as he was poor. Um, we just have to we just have to win the game, not even get a point. So, but we'll we'll get on with it. You know, wish him every success. He's, he's a good young manager, and we have a good relationship, and it's nice to come and you appeal for things, and not having somebody want to ever go at you, and when they appeal for things, we ever got them. It's part of the game. So that so that was nice. It's a great club, I've got family in here, so we, we wish them well. Our job is to concentrate on ourselves. We were disappointed on Tuesday. Uh, we're pleased with the performance today, got in about the results, a long way home. Um, but we've been in a run of, I think it's is it five out of seven or six out of eight away games, mm-hmm. league games. Um, I don't know how that's what took, but yeah, there we go. Nobody in the Football League know what they do every, any week anyway. So, so we're, we're due a run of home games and when they come, we have to take advantage. Finally, in cricket, the England team, including Kent's Zach Crawley, have arrived for their tour of Sri Lanka. But it looks like Moeen Ali will miss the first test after testing positive for coronavirus. He has to self-isolate for 10 days, while Chris Wokes will have to do the same for at least seven. The first test gets underway on January the 14th. Well, that's it for today. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget you can subscribe to the IM News app too, which will give you access to all of KM Group's newspapers. Just head to subsaver.co.uk. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast.